Remember the good old days before Microsoft Word had autosave? You'd type up some important document and then your computer would freeze and you'd lose hours of work just because you forgot to hit save? Well, that's what it's like going online without ExpressVPN. Every time you're connected to an unencrypted network, whether it's in an airport, a hotel, a cafe, or anywhere, your online data is not secure. Any person on that same network who knows what they're doing can gain access to your personal data. Bank logins, credit card details, passwords, all the stuff you don't want people seeing. Unfortunately, hacking has become much easier than it used to be. People don't even have to be exceptionally skilled to do it, and there's a lot of money to be made by selling your information on the dark web. ExpressVPN stops hackers from stealing your data by creating a secure, encrypted tunnel between your device and the internet. It's incredibly easy to use. Once the app is running, you literally click one button to get protected. And it works on your phone, laptop, tablet, and more, so you can stay protected on the go. I've been using ExpressVPN for a little while now, and I can rest easy knowing my info is safe and secure. I've heard horror stories of people who've been hacked, and it sounds like a massive pain to try to get any resolution in the aftermath, so I am not interested in finding out what that process is like. Secure your online data today by visiting expressvpn.com slash slashfilm. That's E-X-P-R-E-S-S-V-P-N dot com slash slashfilm, and you can get an extra three months free. expressvpn.com slash slashfilm. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Slash Film Daily for November 28th, 2017. On today's show, we're going to be talking about a couple bits of news, including the early reaction to Steven Spielberg's new film, The Post. A live-action Scooby-Doo spinoff movie has been announced in a House of Cards update. And in the mailbag, we'll be taking a look at our favorite Steven Spielberg movies of all time. Uh, this is Peter Strada, and joining me on today's podcast is Slash Film writer Y. Tran Bowie. Hey, everyone. And Chris Evangelista. Hello. And joining us on the phone, just for this first news item, is Slash Home senior writer Ben Pearson. Hey, what's going on, guys? So all of us, except for HT, uh, <laughs> saw the new Steven Spielberg movie last night, uh, The Post. Uh, HT did a roundup uh, for the site, which you can read on uh, Slash Home.com. Um, and she can chime in a little bit later with uh, what the general reaction outside of our reactions is. But um, guys, what did what did you think of the movie? Let, let's start off with uh, Ben. What did you think of the post? Uh, I love this movie. I you know we talked about the trailer when it first came out on the podcast, and we were all sort of like, oh yeah, you know, this, this is like a decent trailer. But I was blown away by the movie. I thought it was uh, definitely in the upper tier of. Spielberg's work. I thought it was propulsive and energetic and compelling and vital and important and essential and all of these amazing things that I didn't fully know if, if the final product was going to be. Um, but man, this movie is incredible. The performances are just unreal all the way around. And Spielberg himself just like pushing himself. Um, you know, the camera work is, is really solid. The, there are so many like long takes in this movie that I wasn't expecting. Um, and it, it's, it's all, it all comes together in this way where it's so clear that everyone working on this movie is at the top of their game. And, and this is an amazing feat too. Like, you know, Spielberg didn't have a script until eight months ago. So like this film came together in quite short order. It, it, I, I'm going to echo what you said. This is an important movie for uh, history, but not only just history, but today it's very relevant. Uh, the performances are all amazing. The, the film, 
my girlfriend said uh, uh, she saw it. Uh, she said, um, you know, the cast of the film got better and better as it went on. Like you're just like, you know, they just kept on adding uh, like this. This might be like one of the best ensemble casts that Spielberg has ever had. I think um, I said on Twitter that this is his best film since Munich. Um but I don't think that's actually a hard task to do um, because his last few years hasn't been amazing. Um, Chris, w- w- what are your thoughts on the post? Yeah. To echo what you both said, it's, uh, I, I loved it. Um, I agree. It's a very important film, especially for this year. And it actually, it actually made me a little depressed because as I was driving home, I was thinking about it and, as much as it relates to our current climate, I couldn't help but think like if the same situation was happening now, I kind of feel like it wouldn't <laughs> turn out the same way here in 2017 where things seem terrible all the time. And that's just sort of like kind of brought me down a little bit because it has this really positive message about, you know, the power of the First Amendment and how important it is to have a free press and a democratic society. But I don't know if everyone believes that anymore. I, I kind of feel like that that sort of mentality is slowly slipping away, and that's kind of terrifying. So that sort of <laughs> depressed me a little as I was thinking about it. Yeah, I, I kinda... it's interesting that you say that because I was going to say that um, I just I was thinking the same thing, but also thinking that like uh, that that it is a little bit more optimistic than that because a lot of the uh, the lines, the dialogue that. Uh, president richard nixon speaks in the movie feel like they could have come directly out of trump's mouth and and so in many ways a lot of what happens in this movie is actually happening right now and we haven't uh broken as a society yet so i feel like we're doing okay i mean things are obviously terrible but I, i feel like this movie is sort of uh a way to to get people to say um, it's going to be fine. We're going to be okay as long as we can stick it out. And, and you know, this has happened before. We've been through this before as, as a country, and we'll be fine. I wonder how this movie is going to play to the general public because, you know, seeing this in a movie theater, I saw it at the DGA in, in Hollywood with a group of press and guild members from, uh, you know, all, like the, the guilds in, in Hollywood, like the Director's Guild and all that stuff. Um, seeing it there, you know, Throughout the movie, I'm not sure if this was your experience, but there was probably like five or six times throughout the movie that the entire audience broke into applause at something that happened or someone something that someone said. It was very, uh, uh, for me, it was a very moving experience. But I, I, I come from it as you know, I own a publication. I mean, not that I, not that we are publishing uh, important documents like like this. You know, we're writing about uh, Infinity War, but um, just uh, I, I, I guess we are all writers, so I think it's going to hit us a, a different way. What do you guys think? Uh, yeah, I think that there's definitely a possibility that we are the perfect audience for this movie. Um, but I think that it's such a cathartic experience. Like I had that same, I saw it at a different uh, theater than you did, Peter, across town. And it was full of, uh, screen actors, guild people and, and press and stuff like that. And I had the same exact thing happen in, in my theater too, where people just burst out into applause like spontaneously. And I think it's a movie that, that we need to see right now. I think it's going to be a very cathartic experience for people because it's showing 
uh, people making a morally difficult, but ultimately the right decision at a time when uh, this kind of stuff is happening to us on a regular basis, on a daily basis almost. And, and you know, it's like these people are heroes in our our, uh, our current cultural mindset. So I think, yes, theoretically, because we're writers, it may have hit us a little bit more personally than uh, just, you know, some uh, random uh, audience goer off the street. But I do think that there's a lot of catharsis to be had in this movie, and I think uh, the country needs this film right now. HT, you, you wrote an article for the site rounding up all the reviews and the reactions. Are are we in the minority? Is what what is the general consensus of the people that are seeing this movie so far? No, you are part of the vast majority. Um, I rounded up all the social media reactions to the post this morning, and it has been overwhelmingly positive. Everyone is talking about how this is Steven Spielberg's best film since Munich, like you said, Peter, and how Meryl Streep and Tom Hanks give powerhouse performances. Uh, Bob Odenkirk also gives a great performance, and how this film is so uh, taut, timely, and important, and just um, one of... uh, the front runners definitely for the Oscar uh, race this year. So I definitely think that I'm I'm excited to see the post. I um, was I was over the moon with Spotlight a couple years ago because that was a really great, really propulsive um, journalism film. And I hear that the post is goes even b- above and beyond uh, what we think for um, Spotlight. So uh, I'm I'm excited. It has a lot of uh, great. Uh, reviews from the reactions from critics, although a few critics uh, kind of have detracted from the film saying that uh, it feels like Spielberg on autopilot or it feels definitely like Oscar bait, but that's only one or two critics outside of the entire, I think like 20 people that I compiled for the for the post. Oh, def- it, it definitely has those Oscar bait speech moments that, you know, mm. you're, you're like, oh, this moment is here to win this person an Oscar. Um, but uh, I just wanted to, to say two uh, last final things is uh, one uh, and spoilers for, you know, real life here. But, uh, you know, the Post does publish uh, an article on these papers. And it, it was actually funny to me that the headline that ran on the front page of the post about these papers was in today's age felt so not uh, spectacular. Do you know what I mean? Not, um, it wasn't sensationalized. Yeah. Like I feel like today, like that, that would just be a normal headline in a paper. Like, do you know what I mean? Like that it was, Mm -hmm. it it didn't like the big payoff for this movie was that being published. And it it was kind of like, Today, you would need a much more clickbaity, you know, sensationalistic headline, uh, number one. And number two, I think watching this, it occurred to me uh, something I was trying to say when we were watching the trailer for this. Uh, although this did blow away my expectations, you know, I thought it was going to be another spotlight, which I liked. But uh, this is a lot better than that movie, I think. Um, mm. uh, one thing occurred to me is that Steven Spielberg used to make movies that I loved and that I liked watching over and over and over again that I needed to watch over and over and over again. Now Steven Spielberg makes movies that I like a lot or love that I only want to watch once. So, uh, I just want to say, um, like, I feel like people can get sort of burned out with Meryl Streep in that we're sort of like 
tired of hearing about how great she is. You could certainly become like numb to it. Like, all right, everyone knows Meryl Streep is a great actress, but watching this last night, it was like a great reminder of why everyone thinks Meryl Streep is such a great actress. Cause she is so good in this movie and she gives a very subtle performance, like as great an actress as Meryl Streep is every once in a while, she does tend to, I don't, I don't want to say go over the top, but she goes all in on a part and does it just a little too, I guess over the top is the right word. But in this, she's it's a very nuanced, subtle sort of performance. And it really, it was like a refresher of like, oh yeah, this is why people think Meryl Streep is a great actress. It's a, it's a nice reminder of that. Totally. Any, any last thoughts, Ben? Uh, go see this movie. It's, it's uh, incredible and, no, I, I think I think we've said it all. Okay, so I'm gonna I'm gonna leave Ben here since he's on the phone from a a coffee shop somewhere in L.A. while uh, construction <laughs> workers work in his home. Uh, yeah, ben, sorry. thanks thanks for joining us. Absolutely, thanks for having me. Okay, now that we've gotten the important films out of the way, let's move on to the most ridiculous news story of the day, and that is that they are making a live action Scooby Doo spinoff starring Daphne and Velma. Uh, it is coming to home video. Chris, you wrote this up for the site. What do we know? Well, are you implying this isn't important? I mean, come on. There's a, a live action <laughs> Daphne and Velma movie. So, yeah, yeah. Um, Warner Brothers Home Entertainment will be bringing it, – it's literally called Daphne and Velma. It's a live action Scooby-Doo prequel without Scooby-Doo. It's about – Daphne and Velma, the characters from Scooby-Doo, when they're they're teenagers and how they meet in high school and try to solve a mystery involving uh, gadgets turning fellow students into zombies. So that'll be out sometime next year. So look for that. So wait, this is before Scooby-Doo. This is like a Scooby-Doo prequel. Right. Yeah, this is before they team up with, you know, Shaggy and Fred and Scooby. So I guess, I don't know, maybe this will end with them meeting scooby-doo i don't know i really, I really don't know <laughs> um th- i don't know this seems so ridiculous but i guess it's just a home video thing so i can't rail on it uh that much sounds like it sounds like they're trying to tap into the sort of betty and veronica popularity on riverdale and uh, have another sort of girl power duo but with uh velma and daphne instead so who knows maybe it'll work out were, were you ever a fan of the scooby-doo series I was. I liked watching the original series, I think, on reruns um, on Saturday morning, and I enjoyed it. I thought it. I didn't really think of much of it when I was watching it. I think that's kind of the intention of Scooby-Doo, but I even watched the live-action movie because <laughs> I liked it that much, and it was very disappointing, but, you know, I'm and, a fan, I guess you would say. And that live-action movie was written by James Gunn, if I don't. Uh, if I remember correctly, which is was. which is crazy. Um, I used to love the the show as a little kid. Those mysteries that always had the most ridiculous uh, conclusion of like you know a guy under a mask that you never expected was the person involved. I don't know. It's just this to me a Scooby Doo movie without Scooby Doo and Shaggy to me sounds like a a universe of Spider Man films without Spider Man. And they're doing that. So, uh, yes, moving on. Uh, we've been talking a, a lot about um, 
the recent controversies happening in Hollywood uh, involving sexual harassment, sexual assault. Kevin Spacey was one of uh, the the men called out um, for his behavior, and that sparked House of Cards to uh, suspend production and reevaluate how they're handling their uh, upcoming season. Chris, you have an update on this. What is going on with House of Cards? Right. So uh, the production company, um, Media Rights Capital, they produced the show for Netflix. They basically sent a letter out to cast and crew telling them that you know, it's it's a lengthy letter. You can read it on SlashFilm.com. But the gist of it is that the, they're going to likely start up production again next month on December 8th. Uh, so, uh, you know, after the Kevin Spacey allegations broke, the show was put on hold. Um <sighs> Kevin Spacey was suspended from the show. So right now it appears that they're going to pick up production. Uh, Spacey will not be involved with it. And apparently the, the final season is likely not going to feature him, but that, that's still not a hundred percent confirmed yet. But I honestly can't see how it would at this point. I just wonder how do you get rid of that character? Even if you kill him off, how do you get rid of that character without having him without having Kevin Spacey come back to film that I mean it's going to happen all off screen it, it just seems weird I, yeah I, I would assume they're going to just literally open with like a funeral of Frank Underwood I don't know how else they're going to handle it at this point yeah it, it, it's also weird because I feel like that show is so uh you know it's his arc I mean as much as it's him and Claire it's it's going to be so weird to see uh him just be cut off from the that series um but it's it's understandable um and i yeah we'll we'll have to see how how they handle it but let's move on to the mailbag we were talking about the post earlier on steven spielberg's new film uh in the mailbag we have a question uh what is your favorite steven spielberg movies uh what least like spielberg film do you think is underappreciated um so I'm not sure how how we want to go into the, uh, our rankings. Maybe let's uh, maybe let's each go with our our number. Um, you know, let's each talk about our number ones because our number ones are the same movie, <laughs> <laughs> and that is, that is E.T. H.T. Why is E.T. your your favorite Steven Spielberg film of all time? So E.T. holds a special place in my heart because. Uh, it was one of the movies that I grew up watching. Uh, my mom got it for me when I was really young, and I really empathized with the main character and um, connected with him. And it was, it's just, it's such a well made film. I watched it again recently and was just blown away by how sweeping and how compelling and how just tightly made it is. And um, the John Williams score just completely sweeps you up and all the emotions that are uh, implicit in the film. And every every element of the film is perfect. Um, so it's just, it's a heartwarming story of a boy and his alien, which is, you can't get any simpler than that. And yet it sort of like transcends a lot of those uh, early 80, like 80s, 90s childhood movies just because it's such it's so well made. I feel like it's Spielberg at his peak and I have not had a film that I've loved as much as E.T. Uh, from Spielberg at least. And it's it's a it's a great film. It's just so well made. Yeah, I, I 
I E.T. I think is the first movie that I can remember crying in, uh, you know, as a kid, emotionally being uh, destroyed by that, you know, spoiler for E.T. But there's a scene where E.T. dies and it is so devastating for a kid, you know, for a kid in a kid's movie. Uh, that music by John Williams is, you know, some of his best that he's done in his entire career. Uh, the movie doesn't talk down to kids. It feels very adult, um, you know, even though it's, you know, a kid's movie. Uh, it's just so filled with wonder, magic. You know, it's, you know, we, we, we have this uh, return of uh, kids on bike shows and movies. <laughs> you know, they're trying to uh, recreate that 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 like 80s kind of being a kid in the 80s feel. And I feel like E.T. did it first and the best and um you know i i've seen this movie hundreds of times i think over over the course of my life and it's just uh it, it is the yeah it's the pinnacle of spielberg it is mm -hmm. spielberg at his best uh chris why do you love et uh you know for all the reasons you both said and also it, it's it's the, one of the few movies that's made for everyone movies now they're not really made for they're made for a certain demographic. It's either for, you know, teens or, you know, some sort of age group. But this is a movie, it's it's trying to encompass pretty much something for everyone, both, you know, young and old. And not a lot of people do stuff like that. And no one does it as well as Spielberg used to do. And for all those reasons, and also it's just, you know, it's one of those films that just has the power to remind you of, like, movie magic. Like, no matter how many times I've seen that movie, every time it gets to that scene where, you know, the kids are being chased and their bikes start flying. No matter how many times I've seen that movie, that scene always gets me. It just like blows me away. You know, the combination of how it's staged and, you know, the John Williams music, it's just very few films have that sort of power over me. Like this film does. For sure. HT, your number two film, I, I think is, it will be a surprise. Uh, I don't think it's on uh, people's best of Spielberg list. Uh, what is your number two? My number two is Catch Me If You Can, uh, starring Leonardo DiCaprio and Tom Hanks. It's one of my favorite films just because of simply how fun it is. It is a biopic, um, which I was surprised to learn when I first watched the movie, but it doesn't play like one. It always plays sort of like a sleek uh, action-adventure film and um, a chase film, as as you can tell by the title. Um, I think... Leonardo DiCaprio and Tom Hanks are wonderful foils for each other and just it's whip smart and really entertaining and um so as as I was saying before with E.T. just such a well-made film Steven Spielberg knows how to make a good film and Catch Me If You Can despite having sort of um a weak premise and a uh, unlikable protagonist uh, really benefits from just Steven Spielberg's skills as a filmmaker and as a director and being able to drive a story along. It, it is so interesting as a Steven Spielberg film because it's so very different than his other movies. And the score by John Williams is so different than other John Williams scores. It's uh, I, I definitely appreciate it, but it's not in my top uh, three movies. Chris, what is your number two Steven Spielberg film? Uh, my number two would be uh, Jaws, which is another one of those movies where I've seen it probably hundreds of times and it doesn't matter. It, it still always packs a punch. It's one of those movies that if I'm 
I don't really watch TV that much, but if I come across it on TV, I have to sit down and watch the whole thing, you know, even though I've seen it a dozen times. It's just, I don't know, it's just a great movie, especially for, even though it's not Spielberg's first movie, it's it's around, you know, the beginning of his career, and to, like, launch your career with that movie is incredibly impressive because it's such a, a tight, well-constructed film. And, uh, you know, it just, you know, I love it. <laughs> My number two movie is uh, HT's number three movie, and that is Jurassic Park. Uh, I remember clearly seeing this on opening day at General Cinemas in, in Framingham, Massachusetts, and uh, just being blown away. It was the first movie that I ever saw in DTS, and when when that uh, you know the piece of the animal was it a sheep or goat. Uh, hits the the windshield it like shook me around and I, I it's I mean it's easy for people nowadays to look at this movie and and not understand the appreciation of like what they were able to accomplish with CG it was something that was never done in that way before but like seeing those dinosaurs on 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 film on the big screen for the first time in that way was amazing uh you know i was in awe you know when that that moment when they arrived to jurassic park i was in awe and I, I remember uh you know leaving that movie and buying all you know books about dinosaurs and you know it, it sent me you know the best movies some of my favorite movies send me into those like rabbit holes that you go down uh and i you know it became my life for 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 years of like you know watching that in vhs and and you know the score again another john williams amazing score uh the sequels were never as good as that original uh film but it's just so many great scenes so many you know thrilling fun uh jeff goldblum is amazing hd why why is jurassic park your number three so I kind of approached Jurassic Park from a different um, perspective than you because I didn't see it until I was well in my teens and I kind of watched it as, a, oh, this is a classic film. I uh, should get get it on my radar. And I went into it expecting sort of dated effects uh, and a good story. But I was really impressed by just how well the practical effects have held up. I think even better than a lot of Definitely better than a lot of the CG effects from the mid-2000s um, that we saw in big blockbusters like the Star Wars prequels. So Jurassic Park was a movie that really surprised me and which still holds up every time I watch it when it's on cable, for example. Uh, I had the same sort of feelings of awe as you did uh, um, watching it like with the introduction of the dinosaurs, with uh, all the introduction to all the characters. It's just, it's so it's so fun and tightly and well made again and um jeff goldblum it began my my long running crush on him <laughs> so that was a huge point in its direction and i like how even though it's initially just a uh, sort of almost family friendly action film it turns into all sorts of different genres you have scenes that um are reminiscent of like a horror film like the one where the kids are uh eating jello in the um, in museum the and some, yeah. in the kitchen. Yeah. And then they suddenly uh, find themselves being chased by the uh, velociraptors, I think. And that is a thrilling, tense scene that um, really stuck in my mind for a long time. So I think that Jurassic Park is just, yeah, it's an amazing film that none of the sequels have been able to live up to and um, remains one of my favorite rewatches. 
I, I, I remember being so blown away by that movie opening night that I, you know, begged my father to come with me to see it again uh, the next night, a Saturday night. And we showed up at the movie theater. You know, of course, there's no Fandango. There's no online ticketing. And obviously all the screenings are sold out because this is Jurassic Park. And I remember, you know, my dad being like, oh, let's go home. And I ended up buying a uh, two tickets to some other movie at the movie theater and we got past the ticket taker and just went to Jurassic Park and uh, probably took two other people's seats that had paid for that movie and I I, 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 I don't feel that bad I really don't even, you are confessing this... to an illegal uh, <laughs> ta- action Peter yes yes well I mean I... I'm sure many of us as kids would buy that one movie ticket, get past the, you know, the ticket taker and then go through, you know, spend a day at the movie theaters, which is, uh, you know, against, you know, you are stealing. But uh, Mm -hmm. as a kid, it it didn't seem that bad. Um, But moving on from that uh, to Chris's number three pick, what what is your number three pick for the Steven Spielberg films? Uh, my number three pick is Lincoln. So uh, I, I've, I'm sort of like obsessed with Abraham Lincoln as a you know historical figure. I've read a lot of books about him and I've watched a lot of documentaries and I don't know. I just find him like a, a fascinating character. And it's, you know, history has sort of mythologized him where he's sort of like this larger than life figure now. And it's hard to think of him as a real person anymore. And one of the things I love about Spielberg's Lincoln so much is that it finds a way to make Abraham Lincoln seem like a real human person. I mean, a lot of that is Daniel Day-Lewis's performance, which is, you know, like brilliant and untouchable. But just the film itself, the script by Tony Kushner is fantastic. And it just it it really brings Lincoln down to this sort of human level that I've never seen any film do before with with him or really any other historical figure it really i don't want to say deconstructs him but it it comes close to doing that where it just makes him a believable flesh and blood person again you know i i really uh hesitated with this one because i knew it had to be one of the indiana jones movies i think i'm going with raiders of the lost ark i love um the Last Crusade, uh, you know, Indy's uh, and, and his father is so much fun and reminds me of me and my dad. Uh, but I, I think Raiders of the Lost Ark is probably the best of, of that trilogy of movies. Uh, it, you know, just so much fun adventure. Harrison Ford is, is just so funny and confident. And it's, uh, you know, it's Steven Spielberg was making those action movies that I think you know, Chris Nolan is trying to do today, which are, are you know, they don't, they don't, uh, come down and try to be, you know, appeal to the broadest possible denominator. You know, they were smart and fun in, you know, hitting all the different quadrants while, you know, not, uh, being stupid. And I think, uh, Indiana Jones is that, uh, when it's at its best, uh, the score by John Williams, of course, again, I feel like that's a consistent thing here that we're t- talking about today. Um, yeah, uh, Indiana Jones. Uh, I-, I feel like uh, Temple of Doom was my least liked Indiana Jones movie as a kid, and I've I've grown to love that even more as an adult. I'm actually surprised that neither of you had Indiana Jones on your on, on your list, any of the Indiana Jones films. Uh, any reason why? 
I feel like for the ones that I chose, they're kind of movies that I watched growing up or as a teenager. So I kind of associate Spielberg with that whole wonder of childhood, as you said, and like my formative years. Uh, Whereas actually I never saw Indiana Jones until later on. So Indiana Jones is something I enjoyed, but didn't really associate with my own childhood. So that might be why. I love Indiana. Yeah. I I love the Indiana Jones movies. I love Raiders of the Lost Ark. Uh, I don't know. It's, it's hard with Spielberg. I feel like, my list with him, like if you asked me what my favorite Spielberg movies were in like a week, it would probably be different than what I have here. It's always it's like ever changing. No, that 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 definitely makes sense. Um, I I do think, and I I said this earlier in the podcast that my favorite Steven Spielberg movies are the ones that I like to watch over and over and over again. That doesn't mean that Schindler's List is not a great movie because it is but i really have only ever wanted to see that movie once um and it is a great movie um but i think you know uh i want to go on a ride with steven spielberg almost like i want to go on a a ride at disneyland i want to go on that ride over and over and over again um but the other question on this mailbag was asking us uh what are what least liked spielberg film do you think is underappreciated um, and you know what, it, it was hard for me to pick one. So I'm going to just list off the three and that, that I kind of came to, and that is uh hook. I know a lot of people hate hook. I know that it's cheesy. I understand why people don't like it. I know it's not a great film, uh, but as a kid going back to the Neverland and Robin Williams, it's, it, it's a lot of fun. Uh, I totally understand why people don't like that film but i i saw it a few times in theaters uh another one is ai that gets a lot of crap uh maybe from kubrick fans and uh the general audiences that usually like spielberg stuff it's a little bit too serious and a little too uh i don't know it, it but i i i really kind of love uh i love where that film goes you know where it starts is not anywhere near where it ends and the uh adventure it goes on is i've had so many conversations with friends about you know the meaning of of some of those final scenes uh i really like ai and uh uh lastly i know world war of the worlds gets a lot of crap um from people probably mostly due to the ending uh where uh spoiler alert for war of the worlds but uh, the family gets reunited and you know, they solved the war in some ridiculous way that was in the original uh, source material. Aside from that, it is a roller coaster ride. It's a lot of fun. Uh, you know, there's scenes in there that are on the level of that, like, kitchen scene from Jurassic Park. Um, it's just a master class of filmmaking and cinema. Uh, but let's go on. Uh, Chris, what are your favorite uh, unappreciated Spielberg films? Uh, one of mine is also War of the Worlds, which uh, I get that you know people don't like. They feel like the ending is too neat, I guess, or too tidy or too happy. But beyond that, that is a very intense, disturbing movie. Um, one of the things Spielberg said that inspired that movie was you know nine eleven, and it, it's very much on display in that movie. Just the way you know he shoots it, where the cameras are always pointing up at you know the tripods and stuff like that, and. I don't know. I, I feel like that's a very highly underrated film of his. Um, another one of his films that isn't entirely underrated, but I, f- I kind of feel like it's not valued enough is um, Munich, where 
I think that's probably the most complex movie he's ever made. The most like, you know, emotionally and complex film. And even though I I've seen plenty of people praise it, I also feel like people sort of forget about it when it gets lumped in with his other filmography. And I kind of feel like that needs to be, you know, a lot more, it deserves a lot more attention. I, I definitely think Munich is his last great film, but you're right. No one brings that film up when they're talking about, you know, great Steven Spielberg films. HT, what what are your unappreciated Steven Spielberg films? Uh, so I only have one choice, and that is AI, uh, which is definitely a movie that people either like or despise, uh, I found in my experience. But I really enjoy it. I like the whole sort of fairy tale allegory that goes with it with the Pinocchio thing, even though it's quite on the nose. I like how wacky it gets uh, towards the sort of the middle. And I just, I know it's very sentimental, but it's a movie that made me ball when I watched it. And I I still cry sometimes <laughs> when I when I watch it again. And um, it's just, um, it's, it's equal turns, both cold and overly sentimental, but I think it's just a movie that works for me, even though it's sort of just a, a conundrum of various elements that don't exactly, uh, that kind of clash when they all put together. But uh, it's just a film that I think is vastly underrated because it's it's just so, um, it's not as masterfully well done as, as Spielberg's other films. Yeah, I think it's it's just it's such a hard movie to sell too because it goes in so many different areas that you don't expect it to be going, and it kind of ends on this allegory of you know finding your maker and God, you know it, it, it's mm-hmm. very interesting. Uh, what what did we miss in, in in these lists? Tell us, send us an email, Peter at slashfilm dot com. If you if you have a question to submit to the mailbag, you can send them to that email address. That's Peter at slashfilm dot com. Please mention your name and general geographic location in case we mention the question on the air. HD, where can we find more of your work online? You can find me at slashfilm dot com. I'm on Twitter at htranbui, and I have a podcast, the Millennial Falcon Podcast, on iTunes. Chris, where can we find you? I'm also at SlashFilm.com, and I'm on Twitter at CEvangelista413. And you can find me on SlashFilm.com. You can find all the articles we talked about today on SlashFilm.com and linked in the show notes. You can find this podcast published every weekday on iTunes, Google Play, Overcast, all the popular podcast apps. Uh, Yesterday's podcast was a little late because our podcast hope host was uh down for whatever reason but uh you should be expecting a new episode every day uh midday around uh you know 2 p.m from now on uh until we hit the holidays once again uh yes please go to itunes give us a rating give us a review that helps us out quite a bit and we will see you tomorrow